Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lab. And Rex, I'm not sure if you did a thousand simulations that you could possibly come up with this first page of a leaderboard that we have here at the 151st Open Championship. Crystal Lamprecht just became the first amateur in a dozen years to hold the first round lead here at the Open. He's tied on that 566 number with Tommy Ladd, Tommy Fleetwood, as well as Emiliano Grillo. Uh, Antoine Rosner, Adrian Otegue, and yes, proud Georgia Bulldog alum, Brian Harmon, competing for Low Bulldog. Uh, They're all a shot back of a lead after day one. Rex, what are your thoughts, your biggest takeaways from the day at Hoylake? It wasn't what we expected. I think you and I both were talking about this late this afternoon, about the idea that there weren't a lot of fireworks. I will go to the idea that I'm excited about the next three rounds because what we saw over those last couple holes, and I think we touched on this earlier in the week in the podcast, is you can have a lot of two-way traffic, and we saw that today. You got two really, really difficult par fours to finish up. You got two par fives that you can make birdies on. We even saw eagles out there today. And then you have 17, which you know I'm sure we're going to get into. There was all kinds of carnage out there. So I, I love the idea of how this finish could work out. I mean, you could have a four – maybe even a five-stroke you know, swing change coming down those last couple of holes. But you look at the leaderboard, and it's not even the names. Like It's clearly an, an, an eclectic mix. It's not what we That's a kind thought. way to put it. Well, yeah, you're right. We could have gone through a, a billion scenarios and probably never come up with that combination of players up on the leaderboard after day one. But it sort of sets the stage for what could be an interesting weekend. Yeah, that's my – Biggest takeaway after day one, Rex. Like, I think there was one point in the afternoon we were both kind of bored. Nothing was happening. Uh, there were no low scores. There were no particularly high numbers, uh, save for Justin Thomas. We'll get into him on the podcast on Friday, uh, I'm sure. And at one point, I just kind of walked out to go watch Rory's last five holes. I just said, I'm bored. Like, nothing was happening. There was nothing happening in the first round of a major championship. And yet, when you look at this leaderboard after one round, you have Wyndham Clark, Max Oma, Jordan Spieth, uh, Patrick Reed, Patrick Kentley, Brooks Kepka, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shuffley, Hideki Matsuyama, Victor Hovland, Roy McIlroy, and Terrell Hatton, all within five shots of the lead. I believe we talked about this on Tuesday's preview podcast here at Royal Liverpool, but 23 open winners in a row have been at or within five shots of the lead after the opening round, and 50 of the last 52 open winners were kind of within – that magical realm. That's why I thought it was so important for Roy McIlroy to get up and down uh, out of the greenside bunker on 18. You could tell by the fist pump, uh, even if you only got four questions, two of uh, which were taken uh, by uh, separate radio partners. Uh, amazing uh, that he was limited to four uh, questions after that. We can certainly get into that. Um, however, if that, if that history holds, if you kind of need to be within that five-shot window, you're really only bouncing – a couple of players out of title contention. That'd be John Rahm, who shot 74 alongside Rory. Ricky Fowler, uh, who triple bogeyed after two OB balls uh, on 18. Cam Smith, Cam Young, Matt Fitzpatrick, Kyle Morikawa, DJ. So I, I still think we're shaping up here, Rex, uh, for a good weekend. Uh, but it could be, I think, a little bit of a slog to get there. Were you surprised that that six under, or excuse me, that, that 66, five under is leading this golf tournament? I, I, I think you and I both predicted like the winning total to be deep, deep, deeper into red figures. 
Well, I think the question that we had on GolfChannel.com was, I think the over-under was set at 15 and a half, and I think we both took the over. I took it by a lot. You you actually couched yours a little bit correctly, so I, I didn't even – uh, I, I didn't even think it through because actually you're right because there's one fewer par five this time around. Yeah. So you kind of have to adjust what happened way back in, in when Tiger Woods won here and when Rory won here in 2014. Uh, and, and I'm going to go ahead and go one extra stroke. I mean, you make a really good point. And historically, that five-stroke mark is very, very important. But you're talking about the likes of Jason Day and Adam Scott. They're just another shot back. And given the conditions. Uh, history, Rex. I know, I know. What the record book says. And they do history really well on this side of the Atlantic. However, I'm not going to discount those guys, specifically John Rom. I mean, he clearly wasn't happy when he showed up today uh, to talk to the media. He clearly wasn't happy with his putting when he showed up to talk to the media. He clearly wasn't happy with the cameramen who were f- f- uh, following him when he showed up to talk to the uh, media. But he's the type of player that has a lot of firepower. And I think looking at the forecast going into the weekend it's it's i think i keep going back to the martin slumbers line it's either going to be wet or very wet those are the only two options and i think the wind's going to come up and all of those things are going to factor in i don't think there's a couple of those guys on top of that leaderboard tommy fleetwood being the primary one in my name he's going to go anywhere but you certainly would look down the leaderboard and think oh those guys are going to make a run rory being primary primarily among that group yeah i don't think any of the three co-leaders at this point scare you i mean crystal lampert obviously is is a great story if you don't know anything about him make sure you go to see a uh, brentley romine story on golfshell.com he's the first team all-american at georgia tech he's the reigning british amateur champion just won that title a couple of weeks ago uh he is most likely going to be getting at least his corn Ferry card uh, in 2024 based on his position through pj tour U. so like the dude is a is an absolute monster he's six foot eight he kind of swings like an accordion where he's up and he's down and he's back up again uh, but you, you and I were watching, and like he's cruising at 190, 194 ball speed, uh, and he says he's not even going full full bore at it. Like the dude uh, has immense potential. Potential. I know you wrote uh, about Stuart Sink, uh, who kind of raved uh, uh, about just how good this kid can be. Tommy Fleetwood has had his own struggles, uh, as we know, closing out golf tournaments hasn't won in a number of years. Has yet to win on the PJ tour and Emiliano Grillo, though he won earlier this season on the PJ tour, he's yet to kind of prove himself uh, in a major championship contention. And so uh, like, I still feel like we're underselling Wyndham Clark and how good he is. I kind of had my doubts about Max Homa, but his world ranking speaks for itself. What was your, what were your thoughts on kind of the, the, the headliners coming in here, Rex? I think you and I both thought Roy McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler were one, a, one B, you throw Brooks Kepka in that mix in the top five as well. I didn't think uh, any of those guys necessarily did anything to certainly ruin their chances. And I actually think they're quite well positioned here uh, as the conditions maybe ratcheted up. Yeah, I mean, you brought up a good point. I think that was a key up and down. And I think Rory knew it on 18 simply to sort of keep that pace, keep that number, that magic number of five strokes. You look at Scotty Scheffler, who was my pick. I think it was your pick as well. Again, it goes to what we talked about earlier in the week. Like he, I think he had 34 putts. He's not last in the field in putting, but he's really, really close. And he, he's got to find a way to to make that strokes gain number zero. And I'm not talking about he doesn't. He's not going to get on the plus side. And if he does, great. Then he's going to win by a lot. But if he can't find a way to just to make that number zero or somewhere close to zero, then it's going to be another one of those frustrating weeks for him. Where minus 1.35 Rex minus 1.35. 
I mean, he's he's it's going to be one of those weeks where he hits the ball better than anyone's on the field by a long shot, and you're going to give away 1.35 strokes around, and you're going to end up finishing tied for fifth. And you're probably going to look back and think of this as another missed opportunity. He's not putting that putting it in that context, at least not yet. I'm sure in his mind, he he believes everything that he's saying. He's hitting good putts. That he's different now than he was a month and a half ago. I talked with his swing coach, Randy Smith, and he said, "Look, a month and a half ago, two months ago." there was plenty of frustration that he wasn't hitting good putts. And they feel like they've gotten to the other side of that. He's hitting good putts. They're not going in. I will say he started his round strongly enough. I mean, he made a putt. I think it was about 22 feet, which I felt like was the longest putt I've seen him make this year. And everything just went south from there. And he's got to figure out a way. Again, I, it, this is 1%. This is the, the classic. Just get 1% better and don't give away any strokes or somewhere close to zero. And you're probably going to win by multiple strokes, and yet he can't get there. I think back to the old Tiger Woods line and how he kind of plays open championship golf. Key number one is avoiding double bogeys. Uh, key number two is avoiding the bunkers. And key number three is focus on your lag putting. As much as Scotty Scheffler has struggled from 10 to 15 feet and from that five to eight foot range, uh, which as we documented on live from the other day, like he's outside the top 150 on the PJ Tour in both those two ranges, which is critical because that's the kind of the range that he's giving himself so many birdie opportunities because he's the, the game's preeminent iron player. And also five to eight feet is where you're going to be making your pars. So it is, as long as, you know, for, for all of the faults that he's had in those areas, he's actually great in approach putting which is essentially three-putt avoidance, right? Like it's, it's, it's lag putting. And that's going to be critical on greens that are, that are very large, that tend to be very flat. But if the wind picks up to 20, 25 miles an hour, if he can just improve slightly, uh, I'm not backing off my Scotty Scheffler pick. I still think he's going to win this golf tournament. Uh, his, his, his iron play on day one was typically excellent. Uh, I'm not backing off that pick as well. I still like it. I still like Rory. I feel like... If you look at kind of the way he started last week at the Scottish Open, he was very, very slow. I don't think he got off to one of those blazing starts. If you look at the way Brooks started today, and he didn't seem like, I mean, listening to him talk when he got off the golf course, he was really indifferent to the entire round. And yet you look at where he is on the leaderboard. It sounded just and, like the PGA, didn't it, Rex? Uh, it, it sounds familiar to Brooks at his best. I mean, I, you can pick the PGA, you can pick the U.S. Open. I mean, kind of pick your poison, where when he has that indifference, that indifferent air about him, that, yeah, it was fine. That seems to be when he's, he's sort of rolling at his best. What do you make of this golf course? Quite frankly, I didn't remember much of it from 2014. I don't know whether it's, it's because it's so flat that, that all the holes tend to blur together. But there's two things that I noticed walking around the golf course today that I really, really love. First, and you alluded to it at the top of the podcast, I love the last two holes. 17th is I, I don't know whether it's a great you may be the only one you may be by worst, yourself on that one or the worst hole ever played but you want to talk about the drama that is presented on that golf hole alone we saw what happened to Lucas Herbert he uh, got into uh, the lead and he made what triple or quad like it was an absolute uh, disaster Seven. you can you can ping pong back and forth you can suck it off the front edge into the bunker like we didn't even have that much wind today can you imagine that hole in 2025 mile hour winds which we are expecting over the next 54 holes it may be small uh, but it certainly is mighty and then we saw what can happen to on the home hole as well rex there's been some changes uh to the 18th hole compared to 2014 the tee has moved 50 yards back 
and further to the right, which, which brings the out-of-bounds stakes even more into play. Like we're talking literally just a couple of paces off the right edge. And so if you get a left-to-right wind, uh, as, as everyone knows that I hate, uh, you can see some, some absolute disasters there. Adam Scott put one OB. Ricky Fowler put one OB. Uh, there were a, a dozen players, including Justin Thomas, who had OB balls on the last hole. Yeah, two balls uh, for Ricky Fowler. Like, I, I, I'm not sure this, this is the greatest course in the links rota, but I do think now with the tweaks, the tweaks that they made since 2014, I, I do think there's the potential for some crazy, crazy drama and some, and some carnage over the weekend. I think 18 was interesting because you had some guys that high-profile guys who you would think that knew how to play that hole safely. I think we talked about this earlier in the week, the, the idea of, of just playing within yourself. And it goes back to Brooks Kepka and when he learned how to become this, you know, this major monster that he turned into. It was the 2014 U.S. Open, and he had no chance whatsoever of catching Martin Keimer. I think he was eight strokes back to start the final round. But he said he learned during those two final rounds at Pinehurst that, oh, conservatively aggressive, stay within yourself, play with freedom – all of these things that he applied and he, and immediately he went to the idea of, so he went to number three and he goes, look, we have, you have that internal out of bounds on the right. It creeps in really fast. So I'm going to miss that shot left every single time. And that's going to leave me with a really awkward approach. And so I'm probably going to only end up being able to hit it to 60 feet. And then I'm going to two foot putt from there. That in his mind is how you play championship golf. 18 was a perfect example today. I mean, you had some really high profile players, Adam Scott, Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, uh, who hit it out of bounds, and they just they didn't need to be that bold. I was kind of surprised that th- that that caliber of player would make that kind of mistake when you didn't have to do that. But can you imagine the tension you're going to feel if you have a one shot lead heading onto the 17th tee? Like you could you could win by three, or you could lose by five. Like. You, you can make big numbers on both of those holes. And you mentioned kind of bailing out and playing the smart shot on 18. It, it's, it's tricky, though, because you have, you have bunkers left, which, as we've seen, is basically just like a splash out. Like, you, you really can't advance it out of the bunkers. And you have some deep hay just off the left-hand side. If you're going to miss, you got to miss way left, kind of like where we walked in uh, today onto the golf course, where it's, where it's matted down. It's not out of bounds over there. You're not going to lose it. You actually have a better angle. Uh, into the green or potentially laying up. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the final groups do for the strategy on those two holes. Sausage fingers up. Go ahead. Well, and to your point, and you talked about the bunkers, and, and there's been a lot, and we were talking about this on live from tonight. I, I thought Brad Faxon made a really good point. These are even unique to Lynx golf courses, to ro- rotation courses, because not only are do they have the steep reverted face wall, not only do they – kind of leave you in difficult positions where you have to hit out sideways, they're flat. At the bottom, it's completely flat. Whereas in normal, in, in bunkers over here, you have some sort of, I don't know, bowl type effect down at the bottom where you can end up with an uphill lie and you can use a pitching wedge and get it, get it moving in the right direction. These just end up stopping right where they land nine times out of 10. And you're ended up with these crazy shots. I mean, we saw John Rahm, I think it was in the 18th fairway, where he, he literally just had to chip out n- not only sideways, but he had to chip out no further than two feet outside the bunker because all of a sudden you bring rough into play and you're trying to give yourself an angle and a good lie. These have to be the most difficult bunkers in all of professional golf. Yeah, that was that was 18 green. I was actually standing there, and it was, it was a little bit silly. So he was turning basically his back 
uh, away from the flag. He was actually signaling to the to the reporters who up up against the grandstand, like, "Yo, move it." Could be sending this one about fifty yards behind you. I'm not sure how this one is going to come out. He ended up dribbling at just a few feet. I I forgot. I I mentioned I love two things about this golf course. One is the last two holes, and number two is the bunkers. I love. I love the shape of them, how everything kind of funnels in there. As you mentioned, the, 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 the flatness is certainly unique. You can find it where it, it kind of trickles into the front, and then your backswing is restricted. So you have no shot. It can go into the front edge, and then it's so steep with, like, that stack sod that you have to, like, pound down on it as hard as humanly possible and hope it just shoots up straight vertically. Or, with the case of Roy McIlroy on that 18th hole, you can get stuck in the corners and have to play out sideways, play with your leg draped over the edge. Like it's very, very interesting. I wrote a little, I wrote a little love note uh, to Rory in the bunkers uh, on golfchannel.com. Shout out Max. He said it was one of the best things I've ever he's 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 ever read for me. Not sure if he's just angling for thanks points, uh, but I do appreciate you, Max. All right, Rex. Uh, this is a mini pod, of course, Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lav. What's one thing you're most looking forward to seeing Friday at Royal Liverpool? Uh, little Russ got us access to the, to the compound TV compound. Shout out to little Russ. Shout out Russ. You're going to, you're going to cut our commute in half. So thank you very much. We're about an hour, uh, an hour. We're about a mile away from the entrance to the golf course. Felt like an hour. And it felt like an hour this morning. So th- it hadn't been a problem up until this morning, but you and I wandered out a little bit later this morning and there was a huge line to get in obviously day one everyone wants to get into the open championship so then we started wandering around and our mile walk probably turned into what two two and a half maybe at least at least i didn't have my little step counter thing going but uh i was i was profusely sweating underneath this hoodie uh, so you shout out russ uh, I, I do sweat just an absolutely obscene amount uh so shout out russ cutting our commute in half uh, maybe we'll even take a stop uh, to get some mush since the 30 pounds uh, in the uh, open media center is quite frankly uh, not cutting it. Thank you for asking what I'm looking forward to, Rex. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas Oof. shot an 82 on Thursday at Hoyland. Such a the grief eater. That is you, at, yeah, that is you at your grief eating best. His last two major rounds, Rex, were 81 at the U.S. Open second round and missed the cut by a mile, and now 82 at the Open Championship that left him just a shot back of DFL tied for 153. This is becoming alarming, Rex. We're going to get into this on the on the podcast on Friday, I'm sure, because I'm going to be writing JT uh, on GolfChannel.com. But, like, he's going to have to add a start or he's not going to make the playoffs. Uh, Ryder Cup pick is now, I, I think, very much in danger. Zach Johnson would, would really have to get creative with his justification for taking JT at this point, given his form, given the fact that he could be looking at an extended absence uh, during the playoffs or leading into the matches. And so uh, it's a very interesting time. Obviously, the player-coach, father-son dynamic, it's, it's great, and it's a, it's a wonderful story when things are going well, right? But when they're, when they're not, um, it's, it's kind of a, a frustrating uh, deal for all uh, that's certainly unique uh, to the sport as well. And – and we're going to get into this tomorrow night, but watching him after his round today, and there was a lot of pacing going on. There was a lot of sitting by the, by the green and it, you could see the pain. You could see the anguish. You can see the idea. And you brought this up before and I don't want to step on your toes, but it is interesting that here's a player that's probably never struggled at this game that has probably throughout his entire life 
always been on an upward trajectory. And this is such a unique situation for him. And watching it in real time, it was such an interesting scene today. And there's nowhere to hide. That's like the worst yeah. thing in professional sports. You can't call timeout. You can't, you can't get subbed out. You're just there with your failures, with your misery. And it's just it – it can be a lonely place. I mean, you and I are on, outside the ropes. We don't really understand it. But, boy, the, the pain and the frustration right now with JT and company are certainly evident. All right. You guys check out Lav's column tomorrow night on JT's pain on golfchannel.com. Yep. Hopefully Max likes that one as well. Uh, TBD Max, I'll be trying my best. All right. Let's go do it for this edition of the Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lab. Make sure you check out all of our stuff on Golf Channel Tom. Make sure you check out Rex on Live from the Open Championship. And make sure you check us out, hey, right here, Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lab. We'll be back on Friday night with another mini pod, which we promise to keep under 23 minutes.